there. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Withdrawal, a weekly discussion on antidepressants and the issues surrounding them. Hello, this is James. Welcome to episode 22 of Let's Talk Withdrawal, a weekly podcast discussing antidepressants and mental health. This week, we have an interview with Megan from the USA. Megan describes her own experiences of starting antidepressant drugs at age 9 and continuing until 26 years of age. She also goes on to talk about her withdrawal experiences and her hopes for the future. Megan, thank you so much for talking with me today. Firstly, for the listeners, could you give us a little bit about your background and how you came to be involved with psychiatric drugs in the first place? So I was nine years old when my parents put me on Paxil for OCD. Um, I had gone through a lot of therapy and it wasn't getting any better. Um, So they thought they were doing the right thing for me by putting me on it. Um, So I was placed on that at the age of nine. And um, I was on meds up until the age of 26. And Megan, obviously, being that young, you wouldn't have known about adverse effects. But as you got a bit older, did you come to understand more about the drugs you were taking? Did you suffer adverse effects or did that not trouble you? So it was so long ago when I first started taking them. And because I was so young, I honestly don't really remember how I felt about it. Mm. However, it did make me grow up feeling like there was something wrong with me. Like I was different. Um, I definitely felt labeled. Mm. However, I didn't know what those feelings were until now. Mm. Um, I remember going to all the sleepovers as a child and I wanted to, or, and I was getting super anxious about when I was going to find the time to sneak my pill because I didn't want anyone knowing that I was different from them. In all honesty, I'm just really starting to string all the pieces together. And what I mean by that is I'm just kind of starting to figure out why I was the way I was as a child. So um, the pills definitely affected me. And I didn't really know that until now, now that I'm off of them. I mean, as a child, um, I started to learn to cope with my OCD and other issues started to arise. Um, I kind of started dealing with some severe depression. I remember frequently throwing huge tantrums, getting very violent with my parents, threatening that I was going to kill myself. Um, I had lots of weight gain when I started taking Paxil. I blew up like a balloon um, until I was put on Adderall and then my weight fluctuated. Um, But because of the weight gain, I uh, definitely had lots of bullying in, um, I'd say, middle school. And because of the bullying, I've had body image issues my entire life. Definitely, the pills made me super lethargic, very zombie-like night terrors, night sweats, screaming and kicking in my sleep, a very violent sleeper. And I actually went to a sleep doctor and out of the whole, I mean, my entire life of being on pills, he was the only doctor who ever told me that I should consider getting off of the medication. And I thought he was crazy, you know, for even telling me that because, you know, I was like, oh my God, there's no way I'm ever getting off of those meds. But now it makes perfect sense. The drugs are what made me such a violent sleeper. Um, And they told me that they had never seen anyone my age with such a terrible sleeping pattern. Um, I definitely think the drugs uh, affected how I learned. I could never think clearly in school. Uh, School was always a struggle. And that definitely, you know, kind of made me insecure about myself because I never felt like I could really comprehend much of anything. And then really in my early 20s, uh, that's when anxiety crept in really, really severe. But I had every right 
you know, to be anxious because that's when life got really, really scary. And then I started having these mood swings, like crazy mood swings. And I think that was just like a huge awareness to me because I was like, oh my God, like this is so bizarre. Um, and it, it, it happened so quickly. And I think that's what really scared me. And I know like taking Tylenol or drinking alcohol every single day of your life, you know, that's not very healthy for you. So deep down inside of me, I was like, well, these pills that I'm taking, you know, they can't be that very good for me either. You're right, Megan. So little is known about the long-term consequences of taking these drugs. And I wondered, Megan, in the time that you were taking the drugs, did you feel you were getting any benefit from being on them? I mean, I think it helped me with my OCD. Maybe because, or, but I don't know, because I learned to cope with it too. I think maybe it helped earlier on, but long-term, absolutely not. I mean, I, I look back now and I'm wondering like who I would be or where I would be if I was never put on those drugs. I think those drugs did nothing but hold me back in all honesty. And Megan, if it's okay, I just wanted to ask you if you could describe a little about how your OCD affected your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I, I was nine years old, so I don't really remember it that great. I just remember, um, you know, I had to count repetitively. I had to check on things numerous times. I was mortified of having to go to the bathroom in public places. So it was very difficult for my parents to get me out of the house. And it wasn't, it wasn't getting better. Um, I had really kind of intrusive thoughts. Um, and that was really, really uncomfortable at such a young age. And the therapy sessions that I was going to, you know, they weren't doing anything for me or I wasn't getting better. And then I was medicated. And I think, I mean, it must have helped me, I guess, a little bit. But I wonder if I had continued to just go to therapy and work through my problems, if I had would have eventually gotten better. And I think I think I would have because I think we want a quick fix on everything in today's society. So we don't actually take the time to work through our problems. We just go to a doctor and say, hey, these are my issues. This is how I'm feeling. Can you fix me? And instead of taking the time to actually work through our problems and overcome them on our own. I think you're right. And we're brought up to believe in and trust our doctors, aren't we? And if our doctors say to our parents that this tablet will fix the problems, we tend to go along with that. Yeah. And I also grew up my whole life believing in the whole chemical imbalance thing. And it was, wasn't until I started reading Anatomy of an Epidemic written by Robert Whitaker that that is all a load of crock. And that was just like, oh my God, like I've been lied to my entire life, you know? Me too, Megan. I do feel that I was prescribed drugs under false pretenses. And I didn't realize at the time that it was just a pharmaceutical marketing ploy to get the maximum number of people onto these drugs. Absolutely. And I think what else is nauseating and sickening is, you know, going into the doctor's office, you know, every three months for a med check. And then you have, you know, the piece of paper that they give you, you know, asking you, you know, like your about your depression and your OCD and, you know, how you're feeling. And I, I don't know what, what that paper is called, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's like, instead of going into the doctor's office and having them ask you, you know, um, you know, what have you been feeling? They need to start asking you like, what's going on in your life? You know, 
because that's where I think most of the issues come from. You're right. It's clear that in order to understand the problems in people's lives requires time and patience, doesn't it? And I appreciate the doctors are under pressure, but reaching for the prescription pad is probably one of the worst things they can do for us. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And Megan, I just wanted to move on now to ask about what it was that made you think about stopping your medications and how you went about withdrawing from them. So I was 25 when I decided I was going to try and come off of the drugs. I, I, I started to wanting, wanting to get off of them because I was going to be turning 26 yeah. and I was going to be off of my parents' insurance. And I was on three different medications at the time. So I thought that maybe if I started to get off of one, then I'd be able to afford the other two. So that's how I, start, I, I got off of one of them. Um, I weaned myself off of that one. And when I got off of that one... I didn't really have much side effects. I had some some slight like body zapping, but nothing crazy. Mm. Not, nothing, nothing compared to a lot of people. And then um, just some serious migraines every time I tapered. But besides that, um, I was okay. So that's when I started it. Um, and then uh, my best friend really encouraged me to get off of get off of them all. I always knew in the back of my mind that it couldn't be that good for you to be taking all the pills. So after um, my best friend encouraged me to get off of them, that's when I really started to get curious about what I was doing to myself. And I did some research. And that's when I found Anatomy of an Epidemic, um, written by uh, Robert Whitaker. The book, this book really, really changed my life. I remember starting to read it and nothing but sadness, anger and grief overcame me. I was going to be quitting my full-time job as a nanny and moving back home so I could take care of my daughter. I was going to be home for about six months, so I thought that that would probably be a good time to start getting off of them. So um, you you say six months, so you think that's plenty of time. Little did I know that it would take, you know, two-plus years to fully recover from them. I Let's see, April 1st um, was my two-year mark. And I'm not 100% recovered, but I definitely think that I'm very, very close to full to being fully recovered. Megan, you've done so well to make that break and to be two years drug free. Congratulations. I don't think enough people out there realize how much of a challenge it is stopping the drugs after such a long time. It's a physical and emotional challenge that's difficult to appreciate before you go through it, isn't it? Well, yeah. And not to mention... I would have never thought of myself as a drug addict because I'm, I, I don't consider myself a drug addict. But what the thing is, is you personally might not be a drug addict, but your body is addicted to the drugs 100%. And you don't know that until you start getting off of them and you're like, holy crap, you know, like your body is, has been dependent on those pills for however long you've been taking them and stopping them, your, your body is trying to figure out what's going on. And how did your family and friends react to your experiences of withdrawing from the drugs? Were they supportive or did you need to explain what was happening? It's funny you ask that because, you know, there'd be certain days um, that I might forget my medication or, you know, and I remember getting the did you take your meds today? You know, that card thrown at me. Yeah. And I remember I was always, you know, I, I didn't look at it as hurtful then, but now I look back at it and I'm like, you know, those are kind of some harsh words. Mm. So when I thought about coming off the pills and I actually, you know, told my parents and, you know, my, my close family members and friends, they were actually 
like a little nervous, like, are you sure you, you want to do this? And I, I said, yes. And they were a hundred percent supportive. And in fact, I actually, I kind of started a revolution. Um, my mother and I, um, have been going through it together. She decided to come off of them. Um, and my cousin actually, who was medicated for a good 10 years, um, decided to come off of them. So, you know, unless you go through this experience for yourself, you don't really know what it's like. And it's very hard um, talking about it with people and having them understand it because you can't you can't even write about it because it's so out of this world. And having a support system that you can actually talk to about it and they know where you're coming from is something really special and something so great. I mean, I'm just so grateful for that. I think you're right. To have supportive family and friends around you is one of the most crucial things in this process. It's so easy to feel isolated, isn't it? And well done for influencing others around you to take a step which is good for their own health too. And Megan, looking back, other than family and friends support, were there any other things that you came to rely on for support while you were withdrawing? I think I put a lot of my energy into fitness. I know a lot of people deal with all of their issues differently. And I actually have been told numerous times from a few different sources that exercise is not always actually a good thing when you're going through this because your central nervous system is already so, you know, um, compromised at that point. And, uh, but fitness was really like my only outlet. Like some days that was the only thing that I could do. That's probably the one thing that I never lost any desire to do. It was just my way of, getting out of my head and coping, really. There is a challenge there, isn't there? Because we know fitness is really good for us, but withdrawal can wreak such havoc on your body that it's kind of the last thing you feel like doing. You've barely got the energy to get out of bed, let alone go for a run or go to the gym or or whatever else it is. And I will tell you this, getting out of bed every day is definitely probably one of the most challenging things because, I mean, at least for me, I mean, the majority of the two years, not all, but I've been waking up, you know, sick to my stomach, bricks on my chest, you know, just complete doom. But I was just like, get out of bed and just go move. And I definitely think working out um, and doing, you know, serious strength training, you know what, it actually may have set me back a little bit in terms of, you know, the healing process, but I was kind of willing to do that because it was my sanity that I mean in the present you know like that's all I was able to do. Thank you Megan and can you tell me a little bit more about what withdrawal was like for you and how long it took? So withdrawal has been a complete nightmare. Um, It's been two years since I've been off of them and I'm still not fully recovered. I'd like to think I'm very close though Um, but honestly it's been a silent death purgatory just completely isolating Literally, my brain basically just shut down on me. It stopped functioning properly, which was very, very scary. For the longest time, I do the, I do think that I was um, in denial about it, like what was happening to me. And I think that I was fighting it for probably like the first 18 months of what I was going through, probably up until um, this past November, just because I didn't, I didn't want to accept that. I didn't want to accept what what had happened to me. I, I think I think I looking back and I'm just like, oh my God, you know, what these drugs did to me and how they wreaked such havoc on my life, you know, where would I be now 
if I had never touched them and just accepting that was really hard for me. But I honestly think, you know, fighting that worked completely against me. And, and you can't fake a brain injury. You can fake a brain injury maybe to other people, but you can't fake it to yourself. And uh, I think standing in front of the mirror and not recognizing yourself has been one of the most scariest things. Okay. Just this whole experience has just been completely dehumanizing. And as I said before, it's, it's merely impossible to put into words. Um, but if it wasn't for my family and friends, there's definitely no way that I'd, I'd still be here. Everything just became extremely overwhelming. Everything. Uh, the most the most simplest tasks, uh, stupid stuff like showering and putting away the dishes, um, just really getting overstimulated, um, overstimulated so easily. So, you know, getting into the shower and then finishing up and having to really think like, okay, when, when I get out of the shower, I need to brush my teeth. I need to brush my hair. Things that you take for granted every day that you don't even need to think about, like putting away the dishes. I mean, I'd open up the dishwasher and I'd be like, uh, okay, let's pick up the fork and then the spoon. So just like things that you don't have to think about and then you have to really think about. I mean, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming, but I definitely think, um, my cognitive skills were completely shot, short-term memory loss. Um, I lost all of my creativity, um, my motivation for, I mean, mostly everything I enjoyed besides fitness. And even, even some days I did lose my motivation to, you know, actually get up and move and, you know, something that I'm so passionate, passionate about and love so much to lose interest in that is just very scary. I'd say my psychological issues um, definitely outweighed um, my physical issues. Um, my GI tract did uh, is is definitely messed up from the drugs. I now uh, just going through with withdrawal. I started um, grinding my teeth extremely bad in my sleep, so now I have to sleep with a um, a mouth guard. Um, I got some body zapping, but nothing nothing compared to a lot of people. Um, and then just waking up every morning sick to my stomach. It's been uh, really, really dark, but I think I think for the most part, I know that I am truly thankful for the darkness and all the ugliness that I've been through because I think now I'm able to look at this life in a way that, you know, I don't think many people are going to, are necessarily capable of seeing, finding beauty in the most simplest things and actually being able to feel it is a wonderful thing. I just view life so differently now. Everything is slowly starting to get better. I'm starting to have more and more windows of normality, starting to recognize myself again, starting to feel more human again. I find myself laughing and smiling more often, and I'll totally catch myself when I when I am now like, oh, wow, I'm actually laughing right now. I'm smiling. I'm alive. Life isn't miserable. I'm starting to feel again. I definitely was numb for a while. Um, but I'm confident that the future is bright and I'm, and I'm truly excited for it. And I believe that if I can get through this, everything else will be a piece of cake. Well, certainly you describe coming through a hell of a time while you were in withdrawal. And Megan, during that time, did you have any doubts that you were going to come out the other side? Or were you absolutely determined to carry on regardless of how you felt? Um, I was definitely always determined. But I mean, this experience has been a roller coaster ride. It has not been linear whatsoever. Mm. Um, I'd actually say that the, the first year of going through it was probably easier than the second year. 
Um, I doubted myself all the time. And, you know, I did hear a lot of, you know, the survivor stories and people making it through, but I'd be like, you know what? I think that's messed up. Like, I don't think that's true. And, um, yeah, I doubted it all the time. And, but I can say like for the first time in a really, really long time, I really think that I'm nearing the end of this because everything's just kind of coming to life. Like it's really bizarre. I mean, I, some, I'll be driving and like all of a sudden I'll just, you know, I'll look in my rear view mirror and see my daughter smiling or, you know, I'll see a sunset. And I just, I'm just like, wow, like this is what a life feels like, you know, like I'm starting to feel human. And I never even, I don't think I ever even experienced that when I was on drugs, just like, wow, like everything's just coming alive, you know, for the first time in my life. And it's just like, it's so out of this world, but so amazingly cool at the same time. That's crucial to realize, isn't it? That in trying to medicate away the bad things, we end up medicating away the good things too. And that's if the drugs work at all. But for many people, you end up removed from life rather than playing your full part. You know what? I was talking to my mother about it the other day. You're, you're a robot when you're medicated. I mean, I look back at how I am now in terms of, you know, almost recovered and then looking back on my life. And I was a robot. Like I was so drugged on these pills. Like I couldn't, when I was nannying and working, I couldn't make it through a day without napping. I had to take two naps. I'd wake up, I'd, dr- I'd go to work, I'd drop the kids off at school. I'd have to go in a parking lot, take a nap, go back to the house and do whatever, you know, duties that I had to do. And then I would have to sneak another nap because I couldn't make it through the day without passing out. And that's why I was put on Adderall because those drugs were making me so lethargic. And I was so dependent on Adderall for, you know, waking me up. And that's what's happening is you're, you're putting on, you're being placed on one pill and then other issues are arising. So then you go back and you're like, oh, well, I'm having these problems now too. So then they put you on another pill and that just starts a huge cocktail of medications that are destroying people's lives. It's a worryingly common story. And as you say, you do end up taking more and more drugs to combat the effects of the one that you started on. And Megan, it's to your credit that you took action when you were fairly young, because there are people who have taken these drugs for decades. I think you did exactly the right thing in stopping when you were younger. Yeah, I'm I'm very grateful for that. And I think, I mean, I still consider my, I mean, I don't consider myself super young, but I know I'm a lot younger than a lot of, you know, other people that are going to have to go through this if they, if they do decide to go through it, which I, you know, I do strongly, you know, suggest that they do, they do look into, you know, coming off of the drugs that they're on. And on that point, Megan, if you had a friend or family member and they'd been advised by a doctor to take an antidepressant and they came to you for advice, what would you say to them? Just to really do your research, not only do your research, but take a look at your life, take a look within. Life is hard, scary, overwhelming, and sometimes traumatizing. We live in a fast-paced society with such high expectations, it's enough to make anyone lose their mind. Instead of seeking out doctors for prescriptions to numb our pain, ease our stresses and anxieties, we need to be seeking other ways to cope. Maybe that means changing your lifestyle, leaving that high-stress job that's giving you panic attacks, maybe going to speak to a therapist or a friend and talking about the pain, heartbreak, or grief we may be feeling due to a loss or other unfortunate event. We need to be learning to cope in ways that aren't detrimental to our health, to our body, and our brain. Talking about our feelings, meditating, nature, fitness, 
changing our lifestyles, making healthy choices. We need to learn to accept our emotions instead of denying them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We need to learn that mind over matter can actually set you back, that giving in doesn't always mean giving up, and with surrender and acceptance comes healing. That's excellent advice. Thank you, Megan. And would you have any advice for anyone out there who is thinking about withdrawing from their psychiatric drugs? Um, to not cold turkey. Make sure you taper at a slow pace. Um, I think, or so I've heard that the 10% taper is the safest way to go. Make sure you have a solid support system. I can't imagine going through withdrawal without a support system. And I can totally understand now why I'm, it's very unfortunate um, that so many people are taking their lives while going through this traumatizing experience. Because honestly, your support system is what's going to get you through it. I strongly suggest looking into your diet and trying to eat as clean as possible. Do your best to stay away from processed foods and sugar. Do not drink alcohol and be very limited with caffeine. When you're coming off of your medications, you're basically dealing with a brain injury. If you're drinking alcohol, it's going to prolong the healing process. Drinking a healthy amount of water and trying to get your eight hours of sleep. Our central nervous systems are being compromised, and it's so important. We coddle them like a little baby. Do your best to love yourself and not beat yourself up. It's definitely challenging, and it's something I have to work on till this very day. Know that all of your terrible symptoms are all signs of healing. For me, I realize that it's not always mind over matter, but rather surrendering and accepting. I think that's when the healing really takes place. Going through withdrawal is scary, but in order to see the light at the end of the tunnel, sometimes we need to go through hell first. Literally, hell. Don't let fear stop you from coming off of your medications. You're so capable of it and you're so brave. Thank you, Megan. That's really powerful. I think it's important that people don't always listen to authority. I think it's important that they actually do research on their own, their own. And just because someone, you know, has, you know, spent most of their life researching and, you know, working in a certain profession doesn't mean that they're that they're right. When I went to the doctor and I told him that this is how we were going to do it. He said to me, so are you telling me in the 35 years of practice that I've been, or the, the 35 years that I've been practicing, that I have been tapering off my, that I've been tapering off my patients wrong? And I said, yes, doctor, that's what I'm telling you. But he was very, he was very open to it. I actually sent him anatomy of an epidemic. I'm going in as an underdog. You know, these doctors are all about writing prescriptions. Yeah. So to have him on my side was just like, Wow. But I think that's another thing. Like doctors need to be educated about coming off of meds because they're not educated at all. They don't know how to wean, wean off their, their patients. Thank goodness, Megan, for people like you who are willing to challenge their doctors on this. Because what strikes me is that one of the reasons that doctors aren't facing up to this is that people like me quite often will endure withdrawal on our own because we're too worried about being judged or told what we're doing is wrong. So quite often doctors don't see people struggling with withdrawal because we keep it to ourselves. Well, and that a hundred percent agree with you because I mean, I, when I read Anatomy of an Epidemic, you know, that book changed my life. It was so eye-opening. After reading that, I didn't want anything to do with the doctor. Why would I want to go back to my doctor and ask him for help to wean me off when he poisoned me for my entire life? Like, so I, I cold turkeyed, which I don't suggest 
anyone doing. I mean, I'm I'm lucky to still be here, but at the same time, I mean, you got to go about it. You you definitely need to taper, and I think doctors should even look into the ten percent taper because I think it's extremely effective. I agree. There's a lot of education of doctors needed, but well done to you, Megan, for educating your own doctor. Thank you, and I also just want to say, like, I know I told you my you know side effects on withdrawal. I don't. I don't want to say that that's going to be the same for everybody. I believe that my symptoms were so intense and have lasted for so long. It's probably because I cold turkeyed as quick as I did. And I think that if you were to come off at a slower pace, um, you know, at a 10% taper, I think, you know, you might have a much easier ride. It's strange, isn't it? Withdrawal seems to be almost a unique experience to each and every person that goes through it. Megan, thank you so much for talking with me today for the podcast. It's so important to me to raise awareness of these issues and you've really helped me do that today. I I had um I was having a really, really, really bad day um a few weeks ago. And it was actually I think the day that I found your podcast. And one I forget who it was that I that I listened to, but it was, you know, someone that was going through it and, and, and just listening to the podcast and hearing what she was saying, I was just like, Oh my God, like that's so me right now. And it just felt like, cause sometimes you feel like you're losing your mind and yeah, you're going do. crazy. Yeah. And just to hear that it's not just you that's going through it is just, it's, it's comforting. It is powerful. And, but in going through the experience, it, like, as you said, it, it can be extremely isolating, you know? So Hearing other people's stories and knowing that you're you're not alone is, you know, so encouraging. It is, and we all fall into that trap, don't we, of believing that we're mad or crazy or chronically ill, and you really have to step back and say, I'm not. It's all part of the process of healing. It's too easy for doctors to label that as depression or anxiety or some other condition, and it's just not true. Yeah, it's not true. And I think, and well, and the other thing is, you know, when people do decide to get off their medication and they're starting to withdraw from the drug, but, and then their their symptoms are getting, you know, worse and severe. So then they're like, oh, I guess I need my drugs. That's how the sick cycle never stops is because they go back on. So if they're more aware of, okay, well, you know, when you're withdrawing from a drug, your symptoms are probably going to intensify, but that doesn't mean it's permanent. Thank you, Megan. To hear that you've come through something so difficult and that you're so positive about the future, that's really important. Well done to you, Megan. Yeah, thank um, you so much. That's Th- all right. And thank you for what you're and thank you for what you're doing. It's just so wonderful. It was so great to chat with Megan today, and I'm really grateful to her and the others we've heard from too for being brave enough to share their experiences so we can learn from them. Feedback. Please get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me on feedback at jfmore.co.uk. And I just wanted to let you know about an upcoming event. On Saturday the 10th of June in Exeter, Devon, UK, there is a special one-day workshop dedicated to the well-being of our children, Raising Resilient Kids with Dr. Rani Bora and Ian Watson. This workshop will address the growing concern regarding the mental and emotional health of youngsters in today's society. It will allow us to understand that, despite the challenges inherent in modern life, the good news is that children today are naturally just as resilient as they have always been, and when you understand the fundamental principles that underlie our psychological functioning, you will be able to reinforce and draw out the wisdom and well-being available to all children. 
For more details on this workshop and to book, visit the website ranibora.com. That's R-A-N-I-B-O-R-A.com and visit the live events page. Finally, if you're struggling with withdrawal yourself and don't know where to turn, there are some excellent resources listed on my own website, jfmore.co.uk. Please go and have a look. Please do not increase, decrease or stop your psychoactive prescription medication without the advice and support of a medical or mental health professional. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, take care. Thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk Withdrawal. Come back next week for more news and views. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe in iTunes.